0: All right, very good. Well, good morning. We're going to go ahead and get started. seems like it's been a long time since we've been in this series. In fact, this is probably a mistake on my part that we didn't actually finish where I wanted to get last time. We talked about, as we're just still in the very early stages of principles and practices of giving, about the rewards of giving that the Bible clearly explains to us that there is a reward to giving. Sometimes it's a material reward, but certainly there is a spiritual component to that reward. So I want to review that, and then what I didn't get to is how that reward intersects with wisdom. Because a lot of what we do when we deal with giving, when we deal with wealth, and when we deal with poverty, it needs to be a discussion that we have in the realm of wisdom. I think that's often what gets left out when we talk about these matters. And so we're going to start seeing how those themes intersect but just by way of review, if you brought your Bible, let me invite you to turn to Proverbs 3.9. Just to lay down that foundation once again, that there is uh, the biblical principle that there is a, re- a reward in giving. The reward isn't necessarily stated that it's going to be material or financial, but there is a reward. <clears throat> Proverbs 3.9 and 10 lays out this very clearly, that we are to honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, and here's the reward, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So that is the baseline principle there that we operate off of. But we see this in other places, and we're going to be mainly in Proverbs, so if you want to move around quickly in Proverbs, we'll go to Proverbs 11:18 to see this again stated very clearly. Proverbs 11:18 the wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. And there is the principle there about sowing righteousness, and that's not necessarily about sowing uh, uh, physical, financial material, but there is a reward behind that. But then we drop down to verse 24, and we see that uh, mentioned again, Proverbs 11:24. 24. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and there is your giving and reward, and he who waters Will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. And there is that principle of giving and reward. And this is in the, the New Testament as well, just again, by way of review. We'll look at a few passages like Luke 14, if you want to turn to Luke 14 and verse 13, we see this uh, pattern of, of a reward when there is giving. Luke 14, starting in verse 13. scripture says this is the words of our lord when you give a feast invite the poor the maimed the lame the blind and look at the result verse 14 and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just and there is the principle that there is a reward for giving in this case this would be charitable giving but the reward isn't necessarily Uh, physical it's not financial remuneration here christ says that your reward will be in heaven it will be a an eternal reward while you will be repaid at the resurrection we see this principle of sowing and reaping in second corinthians 9 6 you want to see this once more second corinthians 9 verse 6 the principle laid down this i say the apostle writes he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly," sparingly And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Therein, again, implies there is a reward at giving. And then, of course, perhaps we are very familiar with Acts twenty thirty five. Jesus is recorded to have said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that word blessed is important there, that we hear that there is a blessing in the concept of when we give, we receive a blessing. So we, we've laid down the establishment last time that there are reward, there is a reward in giving and we looked at that very generally just there's a financial reward perhaps there's a material reward a, a physical reward but there's also more importantly a spiritual reward <clears throat> now we we want to also say that not only is giving rewarded with blessing from god that's what we looked at last time but i also want to indicate that wisdom is often related to wealth as a reward for giving so there is a component here where wisdom is involved. And we might say that wealth is not merely a reward for giving, but wisdom is going to be a part of that as well. So what I'm going to try to bring out here is that there is a component of giving as a part of wisdom, being rewarded as a part of wisdom, and how these things go together. So let's first look at Pro, go back to Proverbs 11.25 to see how these concepts of rewards, giving, and wisdom intersect proverbs 11:25 <clears throat> and you could say that there the very fact that this uh, is elaborated in proverbs would tell us that giving is wisdom being rewarded is a component of wisdom but proverbs 11:25 tells us that wealth is not merely a reward for giving all right, if you're wealthy, it's not just because you've been rewarded for giving. Sometimes wealth is acquired in other ways. So Proverbs 11:25, "The generous soul will be made rich, so there's the reward for giving, and he who waters will also be watered himself." And so at first we see that there is this concept that if you give, generally speaking, the way God's work, world works is that there is a, this component that as you give, as you work, as you labor, you receive and you, there is a reward. and that's A principle of wisdom behind that. But it becomes very explicit that throughout the book of Proverbs, that wealth is a sign, not just that you have been giving, but wealth is also a sign of wisdom. That you are applying wisdom, you are applying what God has given, that you understand how the world operates, and you are reaping those benefits. And so we do see. Uh, a place where, in the Proverbs, wisdom and wealth come together. So, to see this axiom, let's see Proverbs fourteen twenty-three. Proverbs fourteen twenty-three, which gives a simple axiom of truth that labor, work equals profit in God's world. Labor equals profit. Proverbs fourteen twenty-three: In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. And so what we might want to say here is that you might be rewarded for giving and therefore you've somehow acquired wealth, but that's not the only way that wealth will come to you, all right? And th- th- this would be a problem for those who uh, would fall into the name it and claim it trap, that uh, uh, prosperity gospel, that the only way that I could be, uh, acquire wealth is if I give and plant that seed of faith and so forth. The mindset here needs to be oriented that there is a wisdom component to how we acquire wealth. And here, that wisdom component is that uh, it's just a wise axiom. It's just, I think it's a common sense axiom that if you work, you get profit, you get increase, you are rewarded for your labor. And the Bible is going to, and especially Proverbs, is going to unpack that in a very specific way that it's not just. Any kind of work, but it's a specific kind of work. So to see what I'm talking about, go to uh, Proverbs 13.4. Again, we're going to mostly be in the Proverbs from here on out. Proverbs 13.4 tells us what kind of work is rewarded. And this is how it intersects with wisdom. It says, the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but, here's wisdom, the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. And so what kind of work brings about wealth? And it's the kind of work that is characterized by wisdom, because this is in wisdom literature, and by diligent work. Not just any work, but diligent work. And l- let me explain the difference here, because you could be at a street corner, and, and I imagine it is hard work to beg. I mean, it, it could be considered hard work. You, you look at those, those folks who are out there in various elements of extreme uh uh, weather but the question is is it diligent work it's not that it's hard work but it's diligent or is it wise work and this is the biblical principle here go back to chapter 10 verse 4 proverbs 10 verse 4 notice again the theme at least brought out in the new king james but we'll try to connect it together proverbs 10 4 he who has a slack hand becomes poor but this is wisdom talking The hand of the diligent makes rich. So in other words, wealth doesn't just come to you because you've been giving. Wealth comes by the wise and diligent work ethic. And this is, again, notice in other places. Look at Proverbs 21, verse 5. If Proverbs says something once, it's true. It's an axiom. If it says it three times, then you should be paying attention really closely. Proverbs 21, verse 5. The plans of the, there's the word, diligent, lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty, surely to poverty. And so here, diligence seems to be more planned, intentional labor versus hastiness leads to poverty. Hastiness leads to, I need to do something. I don't know what. I'm not going to plan for it. I'm just going to do. I'm not going to even think about it. And this is where hard work and diligence and wisdom come together that there is a component where you need to organize and order your labor and it needs to be diligent and hardworking labor. And we see that the word diligent is in regard to hard work but focused, wise labors. You see this in places like Proverbs twelve twenty seven. So you can see that this Hebrew word has that component of, of wise work, focused work, and hard work. It's not, it's not one or the other. It's all of those components together. Proverbs 12:27. The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence, and there's that word again, diligence is man's precious possession. Now, in the Proverbs, what is a precious, precious possession is wisdom. And here, it's the diligent man who is acquiring wisdom and putting it to use. And the analogy here is that the lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting. I almost wonder if there's an irony there that does a lazy man even take in anything when he hunts? i got to tell you, I am the least successful hunter when I don't get out of bed. Did you know that? It is hard to kill a deer when you don't get up and do the work. Now, i got to be honest, too. If you know anything about how I hunt, my hunting is really lazy. I hunt with a cup of coffee in my hand in my back porch, okay? So I know about lazy hunting. Okay? But the, the hunter who gets the big game, uh, he stakes out, he plots, he maps, he uh, we even uses technology to his advantage. My brother in law is like this. Uh, he, he, there's a reason that he has trophy bucks and I have the does that I get, okay? He does the work and then he labors to, uh, uh, to harvest and, and all these things. The lazy man, it says in verse 27. Does not roast what he took in hunting, so even uh, there's a component of after you've hunted, that's when the work really begins. All right, you got to clean out the deer, that's not fun. And then you got to hang the deer, that's not easy. And then you got to let it dry out a little bit, but you got to do it in a certain kind of elements. And if if you don't have the cold weather, you got to salt it, or if you got to you got to find a place that can put it in cold weather, then you got to grind it up. At least that's how I do my, my deer meat. We put it through a grinder. It is hard work to hunt, okay? I, if I'm dissuading you from doing it, fair enough. I get it. But it's also free meat, so I, I, I like it that way. And so here's the point. That the one who is rewarded is not just because he's been giving, but that is a part of it. But reward also comes from wisdom, And it comes from labor, intense labor, hard labor, focused, diligent, not just random, scattered, hasty, but hard labor that is diligent. This is a form of wisdom. And and you almost know it has to be this way because the apostle Paul will say, I'm working hard and I want you to emulate me. Anything that is to be emulated is a wise practice. You don't have to turn there, I'll read it for you, but Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 8 and 9 about his labor. He says, "Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but we worked with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you." Not because we did not have authority," Paul says, "I could have required it as an apostle and as a minister of the gospel. I could have required it of you, but he says, "I work this hard," he says in verse 9, 2 Thessalonians 3. To make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. And this is how we know that this kind of receiving and wealth building is a factor of wisdom as much as it is anything else. That Paul says you need to emulate this work ethic. And I'm just laying down the notion here that giving and rewards, those are components, but they're not exclusive. And and we, we do operate in a society that says, you only have because it's been gifted to you. You only have as a reward. You've not earned it. And the Bible says, well, there's a component where if you give, there is reward. But there's also a component of wisdom as well, that there is reward and wisdom. But, this is a big but. There is a flip side to this. And I don't want us to miss this. This is why I couldn't, Pack this all in last time because I want you to see the flip side of these three components giving rewards and wisdom So I want you to see the flip side here turn with me to proverbs twenty-eight, eleven. The flip side To the matter of wisdom And reward And labor The flip side is pride so if we could say that giving and rewards, the, the downfall of limiting it to giving and rewards is that it's a misuse of, of giving, that that becomes the sole means and reason that you give is so that you might receive. That's not why we give. We also would have to say that if the only reason we work hard is to acquire wealth, that might be mis, uh, misguided or the real, the real problem here is not that we would work, but we think that we are something special when we work. Here's what I mean. Proverbs 28, 11 says, The rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the poor who has understanding searches him out. Now, there's, there's something to be said that for someone who has acquired wealth, they have probably done it through either an inheritance, which required wisdom on the part of someone else, through hard labor, and not hasty, uh, uh, hasty work, but wise and, and, and wise practices of work. The danger, though, is lest we think we have done it. That is, if pride makes one think that your acquiring of wealth comes from either your own strength or your own diligence or your own wisdom, the temptation is that you become puffed up. Instead of, look what the Lord has given me, it's, look what I can do. Look what I have done. Look at the barns that I've made. Look at all the money I brought in. Look at my wisdom. Look at my business acumen. And, Pride will will take over when we realize that even the wisdom that we have used came from God. The the muscles in your body to work hard, those didn't come from you. Yeah, you might develop them and grow them and strengthen them, but ultimately they came from God. The, the, The oxygen that you're breathing right now is not your oxygen. It's God granting those gifts to you. And it's interesting that this text would even say that it is better to be poor and wise, which is in, in the Proverbs a contradiction actually, but it's re- better to be poor and wise than rich and pridefully foolish. This is what this verse is getting at in Proverbs twenty eight eleven. Read it again. It says, the rich man is wise in his own eyes. That's not a good thing. But the poor who has understanding, that's the, almost the paradox there in, in Proverbs, but the poor who has understanding searches him out. And so it's almost as if this verse is telling us it is better to be poor and wise than rich and pridefully foolish. And so we would want to say that, we don't want to overcorrect here, and we don't want to say that just because you have wealth or just because you work extremely hard, that doesn't mean you're wise. You could have done that foolishly. Maybe, Maybe you've worked too much to the neglect of your family or to the neglect of your personal piety. Maybe your, your work effort is not wisdom, it's become an idol. Or maybe your wealth was acquired through ill-gotten gain. We're going to be talking about the righteous way to, to earn wealth and to grow wealth. And by the way, if you're asking, I thought this is a, a lesson on giving. Well, let, let, let me just state this. I think this should be common sense, but just in case, before you can give, you got to have something to give. So, so we gotta, we got to talk about the right way to accrue wealth in order that we might give, okay? And so that's why I am going to spend a little bit of time talking about wealth, how, how we rightfully should be gaining an income, and then poverty. There's, I told you, there is a lot of rabbit trails we can go down on this, and uh, I... If anyone should be worried, it's me because I I see the rabbit trails and how long they go and how daunting they are. Uh, This series has freaked me out. Uh, Anyways, so just because you have wealth and maybe because you have worked extremely hard does not mean that you have practiced uh, godly wisdom. It could be that you've worked too hard to the neglect of your family, to the the neglect of your church, or to your personal piety. Maybe your wealth was acquired through ill-gotten gain. The point here that is wealth does not equal wisdom automatically. And I think that's the prideful thing here to think, well, I have been blessed with so much wealth, I clearly am wise. Clearly I know what I'm doing. Clearly I am the master of my own destiny. And this verse, Proverbs 28, 11, says, while wisdom and hard labor is is a sign that you're going to accrue wealth. It doesn't automatically equal wisdom. And it's rather the, the wealth that you might have. And, and as I look around here, I mean, there are various levels of income in here, but the very fact that you're in America, uh, middle-class America, um, we are wealthier than 90% of the world. I think you just need to be aware of that as well. So uh, it, it's, it, it's, that's just something that we're going to have to talk about and, and deal with as well. But wealth does not automatically equal wisdom. Now, I would also, again, counter that with, it's simply a sign of wisdom, all right? It doesn't mean wisdom, but it could indicate wisdom. I think that the country that we live in is as wealthy as it is, is uh, due to the fact that, by and large, the foundations of this country were laid down based on the wise principles of Proverbs. You compare a Christianized nation that had the Protestant work ethic, because it took scriptures seriously, versus a Christianized nation that was dominated by Roman Catholicism, which one is third world? It's not the Protestant one. Okay, so there is an element there that we are we, we, we can say that because of wealth, there there must be a measure of wisdom is a sign. But I want to I I, I want to uh, just just be very careful there to say just because there's wealth does not mean there absolutely has been wisdom. I think that's the danger that, that is being mentioned in Proverbs 28, 11, that if you think automatically because I'm wealthy or I have wealth or I have means, I am wise, then this is the rich man is wise in his own eyes. And so that's what I mean by the flip side of things here. We have to be very cautious that we don't uh, become foolishly prideful in even what we do have, the material that we do have. So when it comes to pride, one must acknowledge that the strength in your muscles, the diligence in your work drive, your, even your understanding of how to do things, to get things done, these things come from above. Everything comes from above. And, and this is true not just for Christians, by the way. This is true for non-Christians. We might call this a matter of common grace. I mean, two plus two equals four for the Christian and the non-Christian, you learn math, and the non-Christian learns math, and it works for you both, okay? Wisdom, whether it be uh, wisdom that's been acquired from Proverbs or just wisdom because this is how God's world operates, is going to work for the non-Christian and the Christian. This is why we use the terminology like common grace. And so whether it is a, uh, a businessman who is not a Christian but has put to practice what God's word would say would bring about wealth, that wisdom, we would not be surprised by that. But we would also say that all that effort, all that labor, all that wisdom, all those things, they came from God. And the difference is, a Christian is going to acknowledge that. A non-Christian will not. A Christian is going to say, yes, God has been good to me. He's been gracious to me. That my understanding of how to, you know, make a rocket go into space, you know, if you're a rocket scientist, uh, or if you're a neurosurgeon, that God has given me a steady hand, all right, a Christian is going to say, because he or she is going to avoid pride, God has blessed me with these things. And that's the true sign of wisdom, because where does wisdom start? Wisdom starts with the fear of God. That's the difference here. And the moment we as a Christian start thinking, look what I've done we're actually leaving wisdom, and we're going towards pride. And that's the, the danger of this topic that we need to keep in mind, that there is a matter of reward when you give, there's a matter of wisdom and rewards, but we need to keep these things in proper perspective. Okay, uh, so <clears throat> as it relates to wisdom, we are going to be uh, moving into the subject of, of giving and and where we should be giving what we might call targets of giving, but let's not assume we all have money to give, or let's assume even for you younger people here, and uh, uh, and I know you younger people here are already working, so it's not like I, I I need to go through some of these things, but just to establish them biblically, we need to understand that there is a a biblical way of gaining wealth. There is a biblical way of of income, and then there's a sinful way there's a righteous way and a unrighteous way and we have to talk about this because we have to have in order to give you can't give materially what you don't have it's kind of like teaching you can't teach what you don't know well you can't put in the offering plate what you don't have in your bank account i mean if you if you do that i don't know what you would call that credit (laughs) theft i don't know uh but it's so so before we even come back to talk about targets of giving who to whom shall we be giving i think it's appropriate that we would even pause and ask what does the bible say about income and growing wealth and this is perhaps more important in our society today than it was even 10 15 years ago because now there's a social scourge saying that if you're wealthy you're part of the problem and so we need to understand that if that were the case then the Bible is completely wrong because the Bible says there's a wise way. It, th- there is a component of wisdom and wealth that go hand in hand. And so we need to understand these things from a biblical perspective. How do we accrue wealth? Let me give you some, some just generalities just to introduce this subject before we conclude about means of gaining wealth, that, that there is a right way, implies that it's, um, it's, it's wealth is not inherit, inherently sinful, by the way. But let's look at Proverbs 8.18. Proverbs 8.18. We'll probably conclude with this. <clears throat> this is wisdom speaking. Wisdom comes from God. In fact, in Proverbs 8, I think wisdom is... is. Uh, the personification of the uh, Son of God himself. That's been how it's functioned throughout church history. But verse 18, wisdom is saying, riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. Now those two things, our society is going to say, you can't be both wealthy and righteous. And the scriptures seem to say, no. (laughs) There is a component where practicing wisdom and acquiring wealth Fearing God is, they're both righteous. They're not inherently sinful. Wisdom goes on to say in verse 19, my fruit, that is the fruit of wisdom, is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. The only reason that wisdom can say that is because wisdom knows that if you follow wisdom, you will get gold and you'll get silver. But it's better than that, because wisdom will take you to God. And so that's why wisdom is saying here that I'm even better than those things. I can get you those things, but I can get you something even better than that. Verse 20, I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice, that I, might, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fulfill their treasuries. Notice how often wealth and righteousness are used interchangeably, or maybe not interchangeably, but side by side. That is, wealth is not inherently sinful. We just need to make sure that we understand that as we practice wealth, we fear God, and we do not enter into prideful foolishness, as we've been talking about. So that will be where we go next, the biblical way of, of acquiring wealth and, and an income, and the wrong ways as well, because the Bible has a lot to say about the wrong ways. Let's close with a prayer. Our Lord God, it is... A wonder that we are not more familiar with the practical matters of what your word tells us, but Lord, you have told us so many things about how you have created this world and how it is to operate or help us to know these things better and to practice them, not to be ashamed. Even if society says that we are wrong, Lord, we want to practice what scripture says and put it to right use. Lord, may we not be ashamed of either the gospel or of righteous wisdom. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.